Be honest. Jesus knows. Okay, you're good stewards. You are good stewards of what God has given you. Regifting, don't look down on it. It's just like being a good steward of the gifts that God has given you to bless someone else with. You know what I'm saying, right? And that's like Christmas. Okay, how many are worried about their travel plans coming up? How many are traveling? How many are worried about the people who are traveling to come and see you? So yeah, think about that one, right? So, so Christmas is this time of year that we, man, we're, we're all excited about it. I love it. I've been, I've been having Christmas songs in my office and in the church office for like, I don't know, since October. So not really that early, but it's been a long time. I love this time of year. I love the decorations. How many of you are last minute get your Christmas tree up and decorated people? Like your traditionalists, like on the... One person in the back. Is that Michael Cochran? Figures. You, you, you have hair like King Herod, so you're wrong in every sense of the imagination. That's, and Santa. Well, he does kind of look like Santa, too. That's true. Uh, yeah, so there's all this, so much pressure and stress. Jenna and I have been trying to figure out when, when are, my parents are coming. So every year we have Christmas Eve at our house, and we live in her grandmother's house. It's been 76 years straight Christmas Eve dinner in that house, um, in that dining room. It's awesome. It's a wonderful family thing. But I don't know if y'all know this. I work on Christmas Eve, like it's kind of my big day, right? I have two, like Easter, Christmas Eve, those are the big ones, right? And so like I'm busy, but we're hosting everybody's coming over again. And so we're trying to figure out who's coming, how are we gonna do it? Do we need to add, ta- you know, ta- leaves to the table, all that stuff. And then my parents are coming in this year for Christmas and I'm excited about that, but now we gotta figure out, okay, where are they going to sleep? And guess what, son, Boom, you're gone, right? How many of you were the, were the kid that got the floor at Christmas time? I was. Like anytime family would come over, I was relegated. I moved from my room into my sister's room and she would, you know, promptly kick me um, out of her bed onto the floor. So I slept on the floor at Christmas time. Corbin will find that experience on Christmas night because uh, he'll move to my office. But then my sister's coming in and you have all these people and all this stuff. And, and it's wonderful, right? But you're like, oh man, I got to get my, I gotta get my house in order. I got to go finish the decorations. We got, my staff gave me um, the, the Whataburger blow up Santa in a cup. Have you seen this decoration? My staff knows that my, uh, my daughter has an obsession with Whataburger. And so they went and got one and put it up in our yard um, while they left work. Like it's a great way to work. Um, and put it up in, in our yard. I went home and I was like, oh my gosh, it's there. And Grace flipped out, it was fun. But here's the thing. I don't know what um, Santa has in that cup. He can't stand up straight. Like it. <laughs> It ain't a shake, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got a little Kahlua in there. I mean, because he's always, like, doing this. Corbin figured out if we take the leaf blower and blow it really big, it'll stay up longer. So we, we have little tricks. And, but it's, it's those things that you want it to be great and you want it to be perfect. And, and it never is. And it's the stress of the situation. Like, ye- yesterday we went with the kids because Jenna's been dropping hints left and right about what she wants for Christmas. And by dropping hints, I mean saying, this is what I want dummy um, type stuff. And so she goes, and I hadn't got any of that stuff. Like I got her stuff because, you know, because I'm a good husband, um, but I didn't get really what she wanted. And so yesterday I was like, oh gosh, if she opens all this stuff that I actually put a lot of time and energy and thought and prayer into, she's still going to go, huh? Um, you know, so she wouldn't really, she would be very proud. So, so Corbin, Grace, and I went to go get her one of the things on her list yesterday. Now, I don't know if you know this, but yesterday is the worst day to go shopping. Um, the Saturday before is the worst day. Outside of Black Friday, it's the second worst day to go shopping. 
And it is the day when um, people that you would otherwise like go, oh, that's such a lovely person, flips you off in the parking lot, right? Because you pull into that spot and you're like running to get into line ahead of them and all these just, it's like the joy of the season, right? And you come in, so we go into this store, um, to this parking lot where this store is and, and I'm like, okay, so here's, here's one great thing about Grace. There's a lot of great things about Grace, but in our family, we call her the ticket sometimes because she gets us into places more quickly than other people get to get into them. And like at Disney World, we had this amazing experience with her, the ticket. We just walked straight up to the front of every line, right? But we have, she has this thing called bilateral hip dysplasia. And what that means is her hips are not in their sockets. They're just kind of out there and they're loving it, Jerry, right? Like your sockets are like that, hers are like this. And so they fall out all the time. And so she gets tired walking long distances. And, and when she gets tired, she sits down. And when she sits down, she gets angry. And when she gets angry, she lashes out, right? So we have a handicap placard uh, for our cars uh, because of this. I only use it when she's in the car, okay? I'm very particular about that. However, when she is in the car, I'm like, money. So we drive, we, we drive up, we're going into this store, and I'm like, and, and it is packed. And I tell Corwin, I'm like, no, no, dude, there's going to be a handicap right in front of the door. Nothing. Just everything was taken. And we're like, oh, we got to park far away. And it's just... This is a stressful time of year. Like, do y'all, y'all feel that? And yet what Isaiah calling the shot 700 years previous to Jesus' arrival, he calls him what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and what? Bologna, right? The prince of peace. You know, and you're celebrating Jesus coming right now this time of year is like this peaceful time, this peaceful moment, but let's be real. It's not peaceful. This is not a peaceful time of year. I never understood. I love the song, and mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again, right? I never understood what that meant until I had kids. <laughs> like, I can't wait for school to go back, you know? It's just this really tense, stressful time because there's so many expectations. And expectations are just premeditated moments of resentment, right? And so we have these, oh, sit on that for a second, right? That's a good one. Um, and, and so you have this stuff where you're just like expecting all this wonderful thing and it never goes right and and Jesus is called who we celebrate the prince of peace but let's look at his story right Luke chapter 2 I mean because let's let's get real for a second here that night there were shepherds I'm at verse 8 here staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified or as it says in the peanuts they were sore afraid but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring, you, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Peace on earth to all he favors. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peace on earth. And so Jesus is called by Isaiah, the Prince of Peace. At his birthday, you have these angels showing up to these shepherds and going, man, peace on earth. But then you have a 13-year-old girl and her 17, 18-year-old husband who just had a baby in a barn 
surrounded by angels. I don't know if y'all have been around a birth. Peace is not the word that I would use. Right? Let's look at her whole situation, right? So you have Mary, who is, you know, previously in Mary's life, nine months ago. You go back to the time when an angel appears to her. Now, she's betrothed to Joseph at this time, which means they are legally bound as husband and wife, but they haven't had a religious ceremony, so they're not living together as man and wife. It's this really cool kiddushin ceremony. I can explain it to you some other time. So they're in this weird period where they're not living together, but they are legally bound together under the eyes of the law. And, And this angel appears to her and says, Mary... She's like, ah, as everybody does when you see an angel. God has found favor on you. You're going to have his baby. Right? That story doesn't sell at the country club. You know what I'm talking about? You walk in, you're pregnant, and everybody knows you're not married. You're like, oh, it's God's baby. Right? No one's going to buy that. Right? And so she's like, just go, what's going on? And then Joseph, who's like, oh, great. Now my fiance, who I've never been with, is pregnant all of a sudden. And she tells me it's the Lord's baby. Sure. But then an angel shows up to him too. Right? He goes, hey, Joseph, chill out, man. It's okay. What she shows is true, and, and he's going to be the savior of the world, and you're going to call him Jesus, right? And, and they tell this story, so they're like filled with this, this sense of what's going on, and they can't tell anybody about it because no one's going to believe them. And then nine months pass by as she gets more and more obviously pregnant, and it says in the census, by now she was obviously pregnant, right? Because it looks about like me. And so she comes in there, and so she's pregnant, and then a census occurs, And for the census, and this is what every nine-month pregnant woman wants to do, travel hundreds of miles on the back of a donkey, right? I mean, it's like, hey, um, we got to go to Bethlehem, but I found you a donkey to sit on, so it's going to be perfect, right? We did this twice to Northeast Baptist Hospital from this neighborhood, really short distance in a Toyota Highlander, you know, and it wasn't comfortable. Um, She was on a donkey and they get there and they go around and they're trying to find a place to stay like and this is his hometown so he's got cousins he's got aunts and uncles there we always talk about like it's motel six no it's not it's his family he's knocking on their door and he's like oh that's joseph your family moved away hey yeah my wife's pregnant. can we stay here no time and time again they get sent away until someone finally goes well i guess you can use the barn and we always have this beautiful scene oh it's the manger it's the beautiful little manger we're You ever seen a feeding trough? Like, they're not pretty. And this is where the Savior of the world is going to be born. This isn't peaceful. And then on top of that, King Herod finds out about it, and he's threatened by it, so he starts killing all the boys in this area. Death upon death of these little innocent boys. This is not peaceful. And yet Isaiah says he will be the prince of peace. He will be the Sar Shalom, the general, the commander, the Lord of tranquility, of rest, of wholeness. See, that's what Isaiah is calling to him because Mary and Joseph, I mean, I'm sure they knew the prophetic. I mean, Joseph probably knew the prophetic words of Isaiah. And I don't know if they're sitting around going, hey, let me read you a story. Hey, here's Isaiah chapter nine. Dude, he's going to be called the Prince of Peace. Mary's like, yeah, right. The Sar Shalom. What, what, what does that mean? Right, because here's the deal. They had a crazy existence. We, this Christmas season, we have tension and, and, and you're worried about what's gonna happen and decorations and parties and all those things and Aunt Sally is having too much again and all that stuff. You have all those different moments. But, 
But really, honestly, this, this time of year, depression just rises, anxiety just rises, your worries about your finances, your worries about your family, your worries about your health, everything is just magnified this time of year. But honestly, it doesn't just happen this time of year. Because if you look at the studies, depression is increasing, anxiety is increasing, divorces are increasing. Do you know marriages, in some studies, have a high, uh, marriages for Christians have a higher divorce rate than non-Christians in some studies? And yet he's the Prince of Peace guarding us all and guiding us all. This doesn't sound so peaceful, does it? So, so what does it mean really for Jesus to be the Sar Shalom? What does it mean for him to, to be this commander of wholeness? Well, I, I, I think that's the answer, is, is we have to allow him to be the Tsar or the Tsar or the Caesar, which is where those come from. This, this over-controlling commander who you live or die on his say, we allow him to be that type of person for our wholeness. For, for us to step back and to go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. And I don't mean like it's okay like M-E-H, like meh. I mean like it's, no, 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 it's okay. Because that's, that's who he is. He, he's, this, he's this commander who comes in and his presence just brings this okayness to things. Paul says it this way. In Philippians, I think is where I am. Nope, way too far ahead. So he is this, um, he is this person who, who comforts us, right? And, and so he, and Jesus says it this way. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. But I don't give as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. See, Jesus being the Sar Shalom is... If we understand and give our lives to that authority, we have this sense about us when things get hairy, that Jesus has this peace that he gives us. Not our peace, not the peace of the world that gives, this peace that, that allows us to not be afraid in times where we should be. I, I've said this before in here, and, and I've, uh, I have no problems telling you that I'm a little girl in some respects. Um, I don't like deep water. I'm scared of it. Um, I'm scared of deep, dark water, I, I, and you can judge me for whatever you will. I can swim just fine, um, and, you know, and I've, I can water ski and do all that stuff, but when I'm in dark water, like deep water, where you can't see past your like, knee, I start thinking about what's below my knee. Right? I don't know if you people do this, but there's things there. I've watched the Discovery Channel and National Geographic, and they're angry and they have big teeth. And, and so I, I have this thing about me that I just don't like to be in deep water. Um, but I can surf. Uh, I learned to surf uh, in high school. We lived in California at the time, and my brother and I would drive. We lived on the, on the East Bay, East Bay, um, and we'd drive across the, um, the mountain over to Half Moon Bay. And we'd go take surf lessons out there. And so he and I would go. And, and I, I have to tell you, when I was out there, and, and we would be out there together, I was fine. But when he left, my heart rate started going and I started breathing more quickly because in my mind, I believed that there were sharks underneath us and there were. But I believed that if he were there, they would choose him before me. 
That's not really true. But, but it was like when he was there, I was okay. No, nothing changed about our scenario except for his proximity to me. And so when he was there, I was, I was peaceful. When he took a wave and left me, I found the next wave, didn't care how big it was, and followed. Because I needed him to be near me to have some sort of sense of peace. And this is how Jesus works, right? Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm your Sar Shalom, but you got to get up in here. You got to get up in here and know me and let me in your life. If I am the Sar, if I'm the ruler of these things, then you need to bow down to that authority. And you need to come under me so that you can experience this wholeness. Paul says it this way, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything because I understand mentally, I understand like the closer I am to Jesus, the closer I am to his peace and wholeness and tranquility. The closer I am to his presence, the more I, I'm just okay, right? But the further I get away, the more anxious and anxiety-ridden I can be. And what Paul says, man, don't be anxious. That's not, because there's a, there's a peace that nobody understands that when you're with Christ Jesus, it takes care of everything. But we're so control-oriented we want to control things. We want to be the ones who call the shots. We want to be the ones who say, no, 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 this is where I'm going. This is how I handle this. All those different things. I'm a control person. I, I don't, and some of you are as well too. And when you don't have control, you get uneasy because everyone's an idiot around you, right? This is what control people think. And it's, it's a fact, yeah. It's, and so, and so we, we, we want to have control over it because no one's going to control it the way that we would control it. And when we let go of that control, we get a little shaky and we're like, whoa, what's going to happen here? And what Jesus is asking us to do is like, hey man, I got this. Let go. I've got this. There was a time uh, many years ago that I, I've done a lot of funerals in, in my career, in my ministry. and I've done funerals for babies um, and those are always horrible to do. And funerals for older folks who've, who've lived a long, long life. And, you know, those aren't really much more fun to do, to be quite honest. And I've done funerals for people who've committed suicide. And, um, and those are difficult. And w one of my most difficult ones, though, was, was a kid who died in an accident. And, and he was nothing wrong. It was just a, a freak accident. And it tore our community apart in some ways. And there was so much hurt and they asked me to do it and I was honored to sit with them during this time but I had no clue what to do. Because I couldn't imagine, and my kids are much younger and, and, and weren't around this thing, and, but I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to be somebody of that kind of grade in that area and, or the parents of that grade in that area or, or the parents of that young boy who, who they wanted to be at Christmas. It wasn't going to be. And so I, I didn't know what to do. And, and that's a lot of, look, I get, and, and I learned a long time ago that people really don't remember what I say in those situations. They just remember that I was there. You need to know that too. If you ever find yourself where someone is deeply and desperately hurting, you don't have to have the right words because they're not gonna hear them or remember them anyway. Just be there. That's what they remember, 
right? And so, and so I knew that, and, and I was going into it, and I was like, okay. But I didn't know what to say, and so I went out to uh, Seguin, to the, to the river, and, and, I, and I went up, and I sat down, and, and I didn't turn anything on, and, and I turned my phone off, and, and I just watched the, the Guadalupe water go by, and, and, and I didn't get in it because it's scary, um, and, and I just listened to it, and, and I just, just kind of rested and I relaxed, and I came underneath the, the wings of the Sar Shalom. Because I was anxious about what I was going to say. But I came underneath his presence, and, and I sat down, and, and, and I never write what I'm going to say, word for word. We've talked about this last week, I do, or two weeks ago. I do some outlines, I do different, but I never like write word for word what I'm going to say. And I sat down and, and I had my little moleskin because I'm, you know, like a millennial and hip and stuff. Um, millennials will get that moleskin joke. Um, and, and so I sat down and, and I started just writing. And it just, blah, came out of me. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and turned the page and wrote and wrote. And then I closed it. I didn't reread it, which also highly unlikely, unlike me. And I put it away. And then the day of the funeral, I, I stood up and I opened it. And I read it. And a peace came over the place. And it wasn't because of anything that I said. It was because Sar Shalom existed. It was because there was a tranquility and a wholeness and a rest and a presence of, of the spirit of the Prince of Peace that said, it's okay. Yes, it sucks. Yes, we're still angry. Yes, we're still hurt. Yes, there's still all of this other stuff, but, but it's okay. Because the peace of Christ was there. It's this sar shalom, this, this peace that's, that, that comforts us. And, and, and it's this peace, Paul says, it's this peace that saves us. He says, you were, you were saved through the works of Jesus Christ. You were sanctified, he says. You were saved so that you could have his peace. Like, see, and, and, and that's what it is for me. It's like when I gave my life to Christ, I came underneath the sar shalom. When I gave my life to him, I said, I'm tired of living the life that I've lived. I'm tired of trying to do things the way that I've done them because it never works. And I find myself going down and hitting my head against the wall time and time again. I find myself anxious for everything as opposed to nothing. I find myself just spinning out of control. And Jesus says, but come under my shalom and let me give you rest. Let me give you peace. And so when you give your life to Jesus, you have this, Paul says, this peace that comes with knowing who Jesus Christ is. But see, that, that doesn't mean that you're, you're never not peaceful, right? Because that's the misnomer. A lot of times what we say is we're like, oh man, well, I know Jesus, so everything's going to be beautiful and great now. Raise your hand if that's the case for you. Right? We, we all have these moments where we, we still hurt. And we, and we still grasp for, for, grasp for something. We, we, we have these moments where anxiety still rises, where we find ourselves alone in the deep water and we don't know what's beneath us. And 
and we're grasping for some sort of sense of okay. Here's my thought about this, though. I think in some of those moments, if Jesus, if we accept Jesus as the prince of peace, the Sar Shalom, the czar, the ruler of these things, and we have to be okay with the idea that there will be times when the ruler withdraws peace. We, we have to be okay with, with the idea that maybe there are times in our life where Jesus, as the czar of peace, as the, as the ruler of shalom and wholeness, goes in and says, you know what? He doesn't need peace right now because he needs to wake up. Because here, here's the thing, if, if we give our life to Jesus and we're going along and, and then what, what if Jenna and I have this knockdown, drag out fight this morning in, in our kitchen and we're yelling at each other and calling each other names? That's not peace. And I come in here and I'm like, oh, the Prince of Peace, hallelujah, sweet Jesus. No, there's no peace in that. I've stepped out of his shalom. Yelling at my wife, calling her names, doing all those things, that is not under the umbrella of the shalom of Jesus. I've walked away from his wholeness. I've walked away from his path for me. What if at the end of this year, you, you're going through this Christmas season and, and, and you get sucked into the commercialization of it and, and, and maybe you're, you're like competing with somebody or trying to prove something by, or, or whatever it is and you just, you take out every credit card that you have and every one that you got a t-shirt for at South Padre Island back in college. Anybody else fall for that? Okay. Um, and, and, and you go through that, that whole thing and and you max out five credit cards and, and you're like, oh, it's such a great Christmas. But then in January and February, you look around and you're like, I have no peace about this. Well, maybe because you stepped outside of the shalom of Jesus. Maybe because you took your eyes off of the path that he had for you. He says, no, no, this is your path. Walk in it and I will cover you with my peace. So often we take our eyes off of that. And we choose ourselves or the ways of this world because we think those are easier or better or more fun. And we step out of the peace of Jesus and Jesus goes, okay, let me remove it for a second to get your attention. Because it's time to wake up and to come back to me, my son, my daughter. Paul, Paul says this to the people of Ephesus. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. For Christ himself is our shalom. I, 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 don't know, I don't know where you are this Christmas season. I don't know what you're looking forward to. I don't know the, the anxieties that are existing right now in your, in your day. I don't, I don't know the plans that you have. And, and quite frankly, I really don't care. It's not true. I don't know where you are with the, with the Sar Shalom. And I have to tell you that last week, if you were here, I said that Everlasting Father was the most personal and the hardest one. I think this one was the best one that he could have ended on. I think this is, this is Isaiah Carey Struggan, the names of Jesus. Nobody, no Olympic fans in there? Come on. Carey Strug? Nails it. He comes down and he finishes with the peace that transcends all understanding because the way of this world, and Isaiah knew it when he called the shot, and Mary and Joseph lived it in that stable and having to run away to Egypt because Herod was after them and having to come back. They knew it because of their life, and Jesus knew it because of how he lived, and the disciples knew it, that this world is gonna throw everything it can against you. 
This world is gonna try its hardest to turn your eyes away from the cross. This world is gonna try its hardest to upset you and to steal your peace. But the Sar Shalom says, no, no, no. Not for my children. Because my peace, my peace, I give them. And it is not anything this world can understand. And so we walk into the peace of Christ. And so this year as we celebrate sweet baby Jesus, Remember that he is wonderful counselor, that he gives you wisdom and guidance unlike anything else, that he is this mighty God who created all things and in whom all things are held together, that he is this father who loves you so much, he wants to wrap his arms around you and say, I love you, I'm for you, I'm proud of you, and that he is the author and the commander of all wholeness and tranquility and rest we could ever hope for. He is the Prince of Peace. Father, I thank you and I praise you so much for these, your sons and daughters. And, and God, I don't, I don't know where they are in their journey with you right now. Some of them may, may have never understood you as Prince of Peace and never, may never have walked down that path. Some of them may have been off of it for a little bit and, and just have been feeling anxious. And, and maybe you've called them back and, and said, that anxiety is because you're not with me, son. You're not with me, daughter. Father, I, Father, I just pray that you would sweep over this place with your spirit that we would come to know you as the Sar Shalom that we would give ourselves over to you for the first time the hundredth time that we would say not my will but yours be done and that as we give our lives to you Jesus we would find that peace that the world can't touch Thank you and praise you in the name of the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace, amen. Would you stand and worship with us one more time? The ushers are coming forward. And if, if you made a decision today that you need to be closer to the prince of peace, use that connection card and let us know. We're not gonna hassle you. We should have some next steps that we wanna send you uh, because that's such an exciting journey and, and it is a journey. I have next steps. I've believed in Jesus for a long time. I know a lot about him, but he's asked me to do bigger things. And so I have things that I'm growing in and, and every one of us has those next steps. So if that's you, fill it out, drop it in the offertory plate. Father, we thank you for this offering. And God, I thank you for the generosity of this congregation who on Be Rich Sunday almost doubled our total, just under $40,000. Praise Jesus going out to these ministries doing your work. We thank you for the generosity of our congregation because of it other people may hear that you are the Prince of Peace. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.